1: Hard-working people, working hard for you and me Moving higher, time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher Hello and welcome to the
0: Moving Iron Podcast number 225 This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years and also Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to track what's going on in the auction marketplace, go to Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps. There's 500 different auction companies that that give them information from uh, around the country. So it's a great place to see an independent view of what is going on out there. So if you're interested in doing that and you like seeing Iron Comps, make sure you use Moving Iron at checkout to get yourself a discount. This week I am pleasured to have. Rich Possum to come back on. Rich is a, is a uh, mainstay here on the Moving Iron Podcast. He's been around uh, the podcast now for almost almost three years now, and Rich has a, got a great view of what's going on in the economy. And uh, I like to like to pick his brain and, and see what's going on. So, Rich, how you been, bud?
1: Good, and yourself?
0: You know what, Rich? I, I can't complain. Any things right now are, are going pretty good for the equipment business. And, uh, you know, the commodity prices are... I don't want to say they're firm by any means, but they're they're definitely uh, higher than they were. So things are definitely looking up on the uh, on the ag side, at least for uh, the next couple of years. Yep, I
1: believe so. Uh, keep in mind, no prices will continue to fluctuate, but oh, yeah. uh,
0: better better yeah. margins than what we've had in recent years. That's for sure. Rich also has a podcast called Critical uh, What's a Critical Point Podcast, and you know, Rich, why don't you talk about that a little bit and where people can find it?
1: Yeah, and actually I got a, glad you mentioned it, I almost forgot, I, I got a new website All that's right. met, it's met for education, information, I have a bio on it, has a few free things, and then it has a link to the site where you can get the actual podcast where some are free and some are a premium service uh, for about 28 bucks a month or so. Uh, okay, the new site is criticalpointpod.com and check that out it was still under development so there's a few things we need to fix and clean up and we'll always be changing and adding things i've even put a little blog in although i'm it's not going to be blogging every day about the market so that's what my video podcast service is is for uh, now if you want to go directly to the podcast site you would go to, to criticalpoint.podbean.com So those are the two websites, but check out that new one, especially for people who are unfamiliar with me. Uh, I try to explain what I've accomplished in a few decades here of uh, markets and economy and, and uh, what I plan to do uh, in the future with it.
0: Yeah. Make sure you do, Rich has got a ton of information out there. Great place to go see what's going on. And uh, I'll say his, his information and his um, analysis is, is pretty spot on. So make sure you go check out those websites. Um, Rich, let's let's talk about a few things here. So the Fed meeting last week, so let's just timestamp this. This is uh, August 5th as we're recording this podcast right here. Uh, a week ago, um, the Fed had their, their annual quarterly meeting, and I don't know what you took from that, but I took a lot of either they're not telling us what they want us to know or they don't know what they're doing. So I guess what are your thoughts on that last fed meeting and and what did you glean from that yeah well you you probably
1: hit it right that it's a mixture of not know what they're doing and they're not going to tell us everything because there's a lot of people first of all they got one of the toughest jobs in the world uh it's very very tricky to be playing with interest rates and inflation and try to keep everybody employed it's it's a tough job and uh and I I think personally they've done very well, but I have a lot of friends who, boy, they would be the opposite of that opinion. Okay? <laughs> so it depends how you think things should run. Uh, from that meeting, I felt like they were pretty much supportive of what they've been talking about all along. I, I think they, they're willing to let inflation run higher than in prior decades. We have switched, from what I understand, from my fellow economists that uh, dig into this sort of long-term macroeconomic thing of where what is the direction of the country and economy. We've, we're switching from monetary policy to fiscal policy, and fiscal policy is more like what occurred in the 1950s, 1960s, on into the 1970s, and I think I've detected a pattern uh, related to inflation of how that works. You have rising inflation from 1950s into 1970s, and it got way too high, and the system was ready to blow up on us. And we made every effort, uh, and that's why they—that's why the Federal Reserve hired Paul Volcker uh, to come in there. He was an expert of how to kill inflation. And then we brought inflation down here from 1980 all the way till just now, basically. And it just looks like, yeah, I, I've had an inflation forecast for some time now that really this decade into next, we ought to see higher inflation. And lo and behold, I'm now seeing the talk of uh, these people that study the mechanics of how we're running the economy are saying we're moving to that fiscal fiscal policy. I think the Fed was just simply saying if they have to, they're going to wait to 2023 uh, to make sure the economy is growing. They'd like to be, they, they don't want to move too fast, though they're always going right. to move too slow. And that's why some people get upset with them, but they're willing to take that risk. And I think it, 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 it seemed like last year or the year before, I kept thinking, you know, the Fed should be changing their talk. Well, they did. They basically said, hey, we're not going to target exactly 2% inflation. Uh, it's now going to be a formula, it's going to be an average, it's going to be a range. So I don't think they're really going to do anything uh, to, uh, with inflation up a 3%. It's going to have to stay up for quite a while. And uh, so bottom line is, to me, it supports what I'm looking at in general for the economy, economies, stock market, uh, commodities, all that sort of thing. Um, I will say... I, I don't want to paint a picture of aggressive inflation, however. There's people out there saying, oh, this is like the 1970s. You're going to see your prices in the store go up 7% every single year, all year, all throughout the decade. That, that's way out of proportion, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, really, inflation averaged two and a half in the 1950s, maybe a little more in the 1960s. I can see it this decade running a little better than that. Uh, maybe somewheres between the 50s, 60s and the 70s. I just don't see it like the 70s. And I'm very confident what I'm seeing right now in the commodity sector, that it's supporting my opinion. We are seeing the highest inflation rate right now compared to next few years. I truly believe, I think we're around 5% right now. Maybe it can get to 6 or 7 yet this year. But I think next year you'll see it down to 3 Uh, I I'm using two as well, but let's say three to maybe just a little under four, something like that. Now, what does that mean? Uh, Because inflation rate means I should say, hey, inflation is going down. That's how you would normally uh, uh, categorize it or or define it. But that's not true. If you're only going down to 3%, what it means is that the prices in the store are going up 3% on average. And so that means you're going to pay a higher price next year than this year. What I'm saying is the price increase is going to be slower. And I think we'll just see that kind of stall out. I think you've seen the big rush for this year. I don't think we're going to get another big rush for several years, maybe towards the end of the decade. But on average, we are going to see higher inflation than what we've seen the last couple of decades. But here's the thing with commodities. Commodities don't have to go up with that rise in the store. In fact, they seldom have, all right? They, they're up briefly with it. And then you buy more supply, you work your prices down, but your input costs keep going up. The price in the store keeps going up, but not as fast. And I'm now seeing evidence on the commodity side that that forecast will work because commodities are part of that inflation equation. Now, even if commodities come down quite a bit, inflation will stay up because we're now seeing evidence of wages going up. Uh, businesses have to pay more if they want to keep their workers and get them back. And by the way, a lot of people want to blame the virus and, be- and government and everything on people not going back to work and they want to blame unemployment. Uh, I didn't realize this to just uh, probably a month ago, uh, but there's statistics out there showing a lot of people went into early retirement uh, over this virus pandemic. So we've permanently lost some of the employed side, but there's no question about and and I think also we're we're gonna fix this whole idea of people not working because unemployment. It's pretty much run its course, and I think the economy's on a good solid footing right now that yeah, everybody should get back to work and they they will and uh but we're gonna see that higher labor cost here for a while, and that's gonna also help support uh this the inflation number right so uh, so I think everything's on track with what I was anticipating here. The story might be different sometimes, uh, but that's what I always tell people. It's very difficult to get the story exactly right. <laughs> and that's what I like when my modeling will kind of give me several different stories and give me a range, but then I'll say, okay, but the direction of a commodity market is up or down, and that's all there is to it. And I'll do the same thing for stock market and economy and that kind of thing. Um, so what else could I going to tell you? Oh, I if you don't mind, let's talk about commodities and how yeah, they go let's into inflation. Yep. <clears throat> I think um, I think we've just seen an important peak in crude oil. I think the crude oil trend is down into next year. I don't think it's going to drop dramatically. If it did, it would actually concern me. Maybe we've got some economic problems, but I don't think that's going to occur and I don't think it's going to upset like the stock market. Oh, crude has gone down. Does that mean poor demand? No. It's just going to be normal fluctuation within its, it's microeconomics. It's the oil business. It's not reflecting what's going on. Right at the moment, we actually have good gasoline demand. The demand's even, uh, the usage right now, I believe, is back to 2019. So we've pretty much wiped out the virus recession. And by the way, I have some economic indicators that are saying the economy is now record large. The recession began and finished last year. And I'm very pleased of uh, some of my forecast was on top of that. Um, I am seeing several commodities, I think, have peaked long term. Uh, I'm still a bull on sugar. I own a sugar position. I'm up, I don't know, 30% or something. I didn't put any leverage on it. So it's just, just as if I own a bag of sugar. Uh, the uh, I don't think it's going to top out the next year. But we may have seen the best run-up on sugar. It could have some problems, I, f- I suppose, going forward, but I'm trying to give that some time in the next year. Coffee uh, has been shook up because of some complications in Brazil. Maybe yeah. that's going higher <clears throat> into next year, but I, I, I'm not that confident about either. Uh, cocoa has been stuck in the mud here all year long. Right. Maybe that finally wakes up for next year. But like cotton, for those of you uh, growing cotton in the South, um, I think a long-term top was put back I forget I think it was March or something I called it and I've been sweating it out I've told people you know this cotton market can stay up near the high of the year I may even have to wait to the end of this year into next year to get cotton down and prove me right and so far that's what's been going on it's just been setting there and this recovering demand is holding cotton up but it's no longer sufficient to, to drive it to like a, a to a new high for the year and I don't think it's going to um, if it's higher two months from now, uh, boy, I'll have to reevaluate. I, I'll have a problem. But I think eventually cotton comes down in next year. Uh, grain markets, I called a top in May. And I said, I think it's the long term top. But let's face it, you, you got July, you got tight supplies, maybe we'll have to reevaluate. Maybe I'll have to say, oh, I was early. Well, it turned out an old crop, it was we got a new high in July. And we did call it In July, June to July, we did call for a new high of the year, so we kind of got it right. The interesting thing, if you look at new crop, corn, beans, um, the top is actually May still. So we called it within two days of the top, within a couple days of the USDA report. uh, I actually had people, I don't advise how much to sell. Uh, And and I have a lot of brokers who follow me and market advisors, crop advisors. So, but it was interesting. I got a lot of emails saying, could you just tell us what would you do? How much would you sell if if you're calling this important top in the grains? So in May, I said, I want 80 to 100% old crops sold. I want it wrapped up by July. Uh, I said, I want uh, 60 to 100% new crops sold, which is very high for me. Uh, Normally, I never sell more than 50% uh, ahead of of a harvest. But I'm pretty confident these prices are going to work lower uh, into next year. And so far, hey, I made money on the way up and I'm making money on the way down. I'm I'm currently personally short uh, corn and soybeans. uh, And I just want to give it a chance here to work lower in the next year. Now, I don't want to scare people uh, thinking, well, boy, he's really bearish. This thing's going to drop a huge amount. I have considerably lower targets, but honestly I think this inflation will provide some kind of support on the way down. I think we'll still maintain very good demand, but just because you have very good demand doesn't mean prices stay up or continue to go up. Uh, quite often once you've had a bull run like we've had since last year, prices go down even even if the demand grows, believe it or not. A lot of people don't get that and that's how they make mistakes. Um, so I'm very convinced we're gonna see the lower prices uh, coming. I, don't know for sure how low, but uh, hey, I don't have a problem with December corn going back to five bucks or even four eighty into next year. All right, uh, but we'll see what we g- we'll see what we get out of this <clears throat> August USDA report. I yeah. mean, what is it? Last three reports have been very bearish, limit down days. I don't know with this one. You know, maybe everybody wants to bet on that kind of thing. They might be betting against it. Uh, we'll see what we get. But I guess what I want to tell people is just be careful. Don't become too bullish, too greedy here. Uh, you know these are good prices. I mean, look at uh, next year's uh, December corn uh, above five bucks, and I'm yeah. thinking, boy, it was only a year ago we were saying, boy, we'll sell some if we can even get four thirty. You yeah. know, yeah. big profits, big profits.
0: <laughs> I think the one thing that I like to see about these these prices right now is that high prices are, are great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not. But when you start getting into that six and seven and eight dollar range for these for these you know corn and you start looking at 10 dollar wheat and all these different things that that does as much damage as it does good you know what i mean so there's 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 a lot of moving parts there to pay attention to and i, and I think you're right you know having that that you know 5 dollar corn as a, as a long term projection that that's good for everybody you know that's yeah everybody makes money but it's not so much money that you know food prices are going through the roof and, and all these different things that are there One point I want to ask you to go a little further on is you're talking about the employment via COVID and those kind of things, and I've read lots of articles about companies making more investments into robotics and autonomous, you know, know, whether it's warehousing and those kind of things. How do you think that's going to play into the long-term employment um, picture uh, and as the Fed starts looking down the road here a little bit if there are that many people have left the market and and aren't going to come back and you start replacing these people with robots and then people that are coming back into the market, how how is that going to start playing out, do you think, Rick? Yeah,
1: well, certainly it helps support that idea, and I've been concerned for a decade now that… Uh uh, labor force is going to be fighting this for many many decades to come there's just going to be more and more robots and uh, and more and more high level automation even if it doesn't look like a robot right. it's some kind of machine that's doing something right and labor force has to continue to educate itself and try to move up and be able to uh you know at least supervise that kind of equipment and but there's this is why we need to continue to innovate we need to create new products so we can start new businesses to in order to move those people out of those jobs into something different and then this has been the story in the US and the US has done it better than anybody in the world in my opinion for hundred some years um, but it is uh, you could you can argue yeah labor force deserve to get a pay raise <laughs> and they're finally getting it but you can also see if I'm an executive manager of a company I'm saying yeah well suddenly that robot looks a little uh, more affordable right now. Right. <laughs> so,
0: well, yeah. I mean i no, went not. I went to McDonald's the other day to get a get a cup of coffee uh, as I was passing through this small town and I hadn't been to McDonald's in years i had been a long time and there's a kiosk you had to order from like you, you know you filled tapped in what you wanted and then you went out and you paid there and then you just went to the counter and got your cup of coffee and you left. I couldn't believe that i mean there was it almost to the point where they needed a human being in there to to really make the thing happen so I guess. As he's this talk for, uh, you know, like a universal, you know, uh, what they call that uh, universal uh, uh, standard wage type of thing, uh, fifteen dollar, you know, federal um, minimum wage type of thing, that could drive a lot more of this into the economy, where there's going to be more people that are unemployed that may or may not be skilled labor, um, just because of a robot took their job.
1: Yeah. It's a two-edged sword. It is. Uh, You could see where robots could actually destroy our economy. Uh, it's kind of like Henry Ford's idea that, hey, if you don't people pay people enough, then you're not going to afford his car, right? Right. And, and that's that's a true economic, and that's where robots could backfire on us. On the other hand, if we could somehow figure out how to do it correctly and we don't beat up on one another, we could be creating heaven on earth where we don't have to work and we get a paycheck and the robot's doing the work for us, right? A, that'd be an
0: awesome <laughs> situation, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> I have a lot more time to goof off. Um, that's right. <laughs> a lot more hobbies. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about one other thing you talked about in that first opening uh, question. There, you were talking about inflation and how it related back to the you know the '50s, '60s, and '70s. And obviously, if you listen to anybody on the news now, there's just big. Oh my God, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have 20% inflation, and they're just scared to death of all this stuff. Why don't you think we could have inflation like we saw in the '70s? With I mean, the amount of money that we've printed, I mean, there's a lot of a lot yeah. of a lot of supply out there, so I guess what's in your opinion? What's stopping it from from really just taking off and going?
1: Well, one of is we just
0: discussed it.
1: Uh, the robot side of things, we uh, it really leads to a different type of creativity, productivity. Shouldn't say creativity because you're you're actually trying to invent something. There, uh, productivity means you make something, you do business, and you can just see our productive our productivity is aggressive. Some people think it's slowing down in coming years here. Uh, I'm not concerned about that. It's it's high enough level. Even if it slows down, it's still going to be high enough level. That's very difficult for people to get out there and truly pound the desk and say, pay me more, pay me more. My, my costs are going up in the store. You've got to pay me more. So it's going to be difficult to, even though I think wages will go higher in the next decade, I just don't think they're going to go high as high, or I should say as fast as what they did by going into the 1970s. And it's just going to be difficult for them, and that's going to limit how high inflation will go. Same thing for commodities and all of our inputs. You can just see today we can just crank up production so fast, uh, you know, uh, around the world. It's not just the U.S. anymore. If someone says to me, "Hey, six dollar corn would have bought a huge amount of additional corn production," but you know what? We're at our limits. You're not going to, you're not going to do that. Well, maybe, but you go look at Brazil. Heck, they want to. They increase production another fifty percent. They want to oh, sure. plow. Yeah. All they got to do is plow their pastures under. They yeah. don't even have to cut down any more trees. So, you know, you could just see it's going to be difficult to really continue to push commodity prices higher over the next few decades along with inflation. And that's that's actually going to help temper hold back this inflation. So productivity, uh, the mechanics of the, just how we're running our economy, uh, the, the machinery, if you will, of how it's really working there. It's just difficult to get it up there more than ever. I think it is going up anyways, but I just don't think uh, if people really believe that we deserve to see a 1970s thing, I, it may be here as soon as next decade. I would actually be short for a super cycle. It really should be like two decades. In other words, this is the 50s, next decade, 60s, then finally the 70s. I will admit my model is saying this could be one of the fastest rise uh, to get from low inflation to high inflation. It may take just two decades, but again, that still means we got a decade away here uh, before things get out of hand of getting really high inflation. And it may get out of hand. The the Fed may be on this new fiscal policy, but they may find out it does get away from eventually, but I don't think it's really going to do it this decade. It's just going to be too hard uh, to push it up there and hold it, there's too much competition. I mean, right at the moment, these companies are raising their prices faster than inflation, actually, and then that's raising it even more in the stores. They're making a buck out of this, unfortunately. They really shouldn't be doing that, but that's how we've done it for decades. Uh, The businesses say, "Hey, my costs are going up, and so I got to raise my price to you." But they put a little extra in for themselves. Well, (laughs) helps with the stock market, uh, helps with investors and high-end people working in those companies. But costs you more, and you and I more at the store too. You know. Uh, But in a few years, those companies will find it's difficult to do that. They won't be able to pass that on. Uh, for themselves like that and uh, they'll, they'll ease things back on that. So I, I'm with the group saying more inflation's coming. I'm just not, I just don't see this scary explosion thing here. It's just not set up for it yet, but it may be here next decade. Okay. I'm willing to put, I'm willing to consider that.
0: Okay. So let's talk about what the market right now, the, you know, we've come off this post, I don't want to say post COVID expansion of the economy where everything's opened back up and we've got that's what's driving a lot of this inflation that we see right now. You know, we're, you know, we've talked about that in past podcasts about how, you know, as as things start to expand and, and more people are out doing things, prices are going to go up because demand's going up, so on and so forth. I mean, that's that's part of this, you know, demand, you know, inflationary demand that we see coming right now. But let's talk about what your thoughts are moving into um, the fall and winter of twenty twenty two, fall twenty one, twenty two, as this new. COVID variant has, uh, kind of reared its head up here a little bit. What's your thoughts on that? And how do you think if anything, that's going to affect the overall economy that we see happen right now around the world?
1: Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up the point on, uh, this COVID also causes some of this inflation and, you, and sometimes you get a bounce right out of a recession for inflation. So some of this is normal and then some of it's, uh, not normal and related to the virus recession on top of it. Uh, looking out later this year, um, I'm kind of split on my thinking on uh, these, these variants. To me, they're they're more dangerous than the actual original COVID-19. On the other hand, we got, uh, you know, what, 70% of the population vaccinated now, and that's going to help, and we can always go back to mask and, and, and that. I don't think we're going to shut down the economy. I don't think we dare do that right now, and we shouldn't. I, I was fine with it the first time because there were so many unknowns that I just said, hey, protect your population, the heck with the economy, but today... My, I got a different feeling that, uh, hey, uh, save the economy, let's try to keep working, keep doing business, but let's try to protect one another and, and be good to one another. And I think that's kind of what we'll do. Uh, so I'm not so sure we'll get a negative uh, impact if the pandemic really, you know, we get a good surge here this winter off of these variants. Um, I'm not sure it's, it's going to hit the economy like that. And again, I don't think we're really going to lock down as a nation. Um, I'm, I'm fine with the government setting some level. We're saying, hey, this is getting bad enough where we do need to lock down. But I don't know that level. I'm not smart enough to, to figure that out. And I'm sure they're wrestling with it. What is that level? So my guess is that we're not going to get the negative impact in the economy uh, like we did last time around. Uh, but it's certainly going to have some impact. You're going to concern people. You're going to have people wanting to stay home again, things like that. Right the moment, I, I think we're going to get through this better than last time and so i'm not dialing in that much of negativity on it but it's it's going to be there it should be a concern we should all be concerned that uh, you know you can still get it even if you're vaccinated so right yeah exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah skate well let's let's expand that a little bit because if you if you listen to the news you start listening hearing stuff and you know like you've heard talk about france wanting to shut back down and italy's talked about shutting back down and none neither one of them done it yet but i mean they're 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 floating that out there as an idea. Let's just say that half of Europe shuts down and goes back into full, full blown lockdown. How, how do you think that affects the overall economy? I mean, as much as it just feels like it's pretty fragile right now. And, and you, you know, you, you go start, you know, cutting chunks of the world economy out. I mean, I guess, could you see some, some backfiring, I guess, as, as things slow down again?
1: Yeah. Uh, good point. Uh, cause I was thinking of mostly U S uh, yeah, I see the rest of the world more vulnerable than us. I know we moved faster on getting this vaccine out, and we're going to continue that pace. Uh, the more developed nations are you know, pretty close to us or catching up to us, but there's, there's a lot of work yet to be done in the world. So we could come into issues where it comes back to us that it maybe imp- impacts our imports, exports a bit. Mm-hmm. For the moment, I'm not coming up with a, a major scare scenario, but can't rule it out. Uh, I guess my biggest concern as an American, if I'm investing in those countries, I might uh, be concerned of what can I do to the markets and that kind of stuff. And they should be concerned in their own countries, obviously, for their health, their lives, uh, and their businesses. Uh, There's a lot of work yet to be done. And that's why the world's calling us on us to actually provide the vaccine. Hopefully we can help for that. And because there's a lot of nations that just, you know, they're so small, they just don't have the infrastructure to actually do this. And it is sad and it is going to be, it's still a learning lesson. No question about it. But I I think we've learned a lot already in our own country, fortunately. And, um, the rest of the world's got a lot to learn there. My best forecast, however, is global economy is going to continue to grow uh, this decade right along with the U.S. Mm. I, uh, I realize some people think the end of the world's coming in any year now here, but uh, right. I'm feeling more I'm feeling more right. confident ever. This economy is going to hang in there to near the end of the decade. And then, yes, just like I do every decade, I'm going to be selling my stocks. So that's what I do. And it's worked very well for me. But I got to give it a thumbs up here that we've got. A good growing economy. You may be looking at the best GDP right now, and and I can see that easing back. And maybe this virus stuff can help ease that back in the world and the U.S. next couple of years. But we're going to have good good GDP, uh, just not coming up with the threats uh, where we have to worry about a big rise in unemployment in this country or the world. But uh, let's face it, the rest of the world is at greater risk still than here.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk about kind of the overall cost of doing business right now. So you have China and, you know, everyone, this report came out about the Wuhan clinic and they're pretty sure that's where the virus came from now. And, and, uh, everything's kind of pointing that general general direction. So that kind of gives a, puts a black eye on China, uh, more than they, than they've had in the past. You take a look at what it costs to ship, um, stuff around the world right now. I mean, you used to be able to take a shipping container for, Four or five thousand bucks to about anywhere in the world. You could you could take a container full of stuff. I read an article uh, this morning, getting ready for this uh, this podcast here, and they were talking about how uh, the uh, the price of containers had gone up five hundred percent, and that basically you're looking at on the the basically the, the from either China and the U.S. either one where they've got containers out there about twenty thousand dollars now to get something shipped around the world. So I guess as you look at those kind of things, wh- when do you think, if any, that there'll be more, it, is this going to spur more companies to start looking at, maybe I'm not going to do as much business in China right now. Um, I'm going to start looking at maybe uh, sourcing some of these, uh, some of this jobs and some of this production back in, in, in the U.S. or you know maybe European countries start looking at doing more Production stuff in their in their countries like that. Do you, do you think any of that is going to spur someone to say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna move this factory back to the U.S.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, they're looking at it already. I mean, uh, past five, seven years—seven years, I think—I've worked for some of the big global companies. Now, it was more grain export. In other words, I was involved with well, how do we ship uh, furniture and uh, computers? Right. <laughs> but it's the same idea when you deal with the shipping cost, and you can bet they're, they're all asking that. And after that trade, this whole trade war deal uh, really taught them. You know, uh, boy, how do we look at that? But you got to remember, it does cost a lot of money to be moving factories around the world. World uh, too. So <laughs> right. yep. uh, it's going to take some time. Uh, I don't doubt we'll hear stories of, of some of that. I think in general, everybody's kind of hoping things will, will settle down and they'll, and they'll continue to do business uh, with China. Uh, I think you've at least stopped people thinking, well, how many more US jobs can they ship over to China? They're, they're going the other way. You see a lot of discussion in some of these corporate journals. Uh, I, I think the tide has churned there, you know. I mean, we went too far. I, I'm still in favor of globalization, frankly. I think it leads to a more peaceful world, better economy. Everybody has something to eat. Problem is we ran that globalization so hard and fast, you know. It's like we wanted to help everybody in the world, thinking it's also going to help us. Mm-hmm. And in the end, uh, the message is, yeah, we helped everybody in the world and shot ourselves in the foot. So, right. Right. <laughs> and, and and that's why the politics turned so volatile the last four or five years, you mm-hmm. know. And so I, I think we've kind of turned a tide because even today, even though even, you know, some of the Democrats are willing to go saying, hey, let's, let's deal with this, this whole globalization and this trade stuff. And you can just see both sides are saying, well, let's not shoot ourselves in the foot anymore. So we'll probably hear some stories of some businesses backing off on, uh, on China, but I, I don't know as I see any major rush uh, right now. Uh, One thing I will say in China, at least on the grain export side, is, yeah, I think they've been building the reserves here, and I question how much longer that goes. So I really, I think we've seen the best of China numbers of how much they'll import. We're seeing some cancellations. Of course, there's no one for doing that. But I, uh, I, really question how much uh, you know China. They they realize they're so large that once they really step into the commodities market, they're gonna move the prices higher. And you know, obviously, that's not a good moment for them. We wouldn't like if it had happened to us. It just feels like the mood is back to saying, "Hey, how can we be careful how we're buying this stuff? Don't shove those prices so high that they're coming to their limits too." I mean, they have some margins that are squeezed. And, uh, and, of course, they're now back to some virus cases, too. So they're probably wondering about their economy and their stock market is really not doing much of anything right now. Uh, so I, I think we could see some of that push in the commodity sector uh, backing off a little. And again, that might help calm down this inflation in the U.S. as well as the world. Uh, so you see those kind of things going on, too, with, uh, with China. Mm. Is that a major negative? I don't think so. I think they're still going to buy a lot of stuff from yeah. us in Brazil. But I'm just saying that the push You know, that's the best way I can describe last year and this year. We had a huge push on a lot of things, uh, even real estate. And I'm working in real estate now, just sold a place to a billionaire, believe it or not, uh, wants in on farming, believe it or not. And uh, uh, we but we're seeing the push back off. People are saying, you know, I'm not sure sure I want to pay that that high a price. Uh, Won't the seller deal a little bit. So I think we're starting to get back to normal. But I'm not expecting prices come down in huge amounts. We, we've got a new level here, but I think, I think a push is, is we've seen it. And I, I think we've seen it in commodities, too. I think you've seen your highest price for a while here. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, to me, that's not a negative. <laughs> we're still right. going to do – the wheels of commerce are going to still move, okay? It's just that, uh, hey, a lot more corn and uh, oil and all that stuff is going to move through uh, the pipeline, but not, not as, as, quite as high a price as a few months ago.
0: Yep. All right, Rich. Let's as we kind of wind this down here a little bit. Give me your, you know, as you sit here and look towards the end of the year and into twenty and uh, twenty two. What's what are you what are you watching for positive gains, and what are you watching that you're going to try to stay away from?
1: Yeah. Uh, hey, let's uh, first start with the stock market. I think it's going higher in November and my model saying it'll take that long for some major groups of people who re- I think really run the stock market control it. That doesn't mean they know they're doing it. They probably don't, but I'm just saying it's my observation that that's what they're doing. And I think they need to buy into like November or something, maybe a little profit taking an end of the year. And I've done very well. I've man, I'm, I nailed that sharp drop in July. I mean, I even bought some at the low of the uh, day and uh, sold out at the top you <laughs> And I'm up like, uh, well, depending on my program, I'm up 73% to, to 200% here last year into this year. So we am working very well. And I think we got more to go in the stock market next year. However, I want to watch out for at least a 10% drop in the stock market. So we'll want to stay on top of that. Uh, again, some of these inflation or uh, commodities might stay firm into the end of the year and then down next. Uh, I th- but I think the grains have already topped. I think quite a few of them have. Again, sugar might go higher into early next year and then down, things like that uh so uh not I don't want to be overly negative to commodities going into year end, but I, I definitely see uh, lower commodities uh, next year. I think the inflation, we've, if we haven't seen the highest number, we're probably going to get it in just the next two or three months. I think this whole supply chain, as far as manufacturing, is just going to continue to get back to, to normal here. I think we'll have it by the first quarter of uh, uh, next uh, year, uh, if not by the end of this year. So I, I think we're getting some things back to normal here. And so those are some of the things I'm watching to see, hey, is it not quite working out the way I'm into? I have to adjust my price forecast and things like that? Um, Let me quickly throw in on the weather side, people knowing for me for years now of having these ranges of when we should have a crop problem, I've said 2021 to 2024, and I kind of felt like 21, 23, if I had to get more, try to be more precise. Fortunately, in around February, March, I started to say, I don't think we're going to get it this year. And then by May, when I called that long term top and and at least for the new crop markets, I said, I'm very convinced this is not a crop problem here. It is for Western Iowa. It is regionally, but not for the nation, Uh, not for corn and soybeans. Obviously, it is for wheat. That's an entirely different story because the whole West U.S. has had drought issues. But... um, I, I think we want to dial in the possibility of a good crop next year and a decent crop this year. Uh, I, think, I think I've got to wait to 2023 for that crop. Problem. But we, we will see. I, I see these commodities, or grains going lower into spring, early summer, and then we'll either get a weather scare and a good crop and down into harvest, or we're gonna find out, you know what? We did get a crop problem, 22. I, I'm willing to leave next year on the table. And if we see La on coming in this winter into spring and it gets the South American markets excited, then I have to get excited for next year too. But uh, right at the moment I'm thinking the crop problem I want is probably now not coming into 2023. So that's why I'm, you now that's yet another piece of evidence I have that I think these grain prices go lower in the next year. And uh, yet, like I say, I think the economy is gonna grow in the next year. We could see some throttling back. I think we'll see the inflation back off. But remember, it's still a positive inflation. I'm not saying it's going to zero or negative, and you're going to see lower prices the store. You're probably going to see higher. I'm just saying they're not going to rise next year as much as this year. And so that's what I'm looking at going into next year. And
0: uh, we'll take it from there. Right on. Well, a lot of moving parts here, Rich. A lot of things to pay attention to. What are those websites one more time for your podcast and for your, uh, for your new website?
1: Yeah. So my new site is criticalpointpod.com. Pod is in P-O-D, criticalpointpod.com. And then there is a link there to go directly to sign up for the premium service. I got to get a link on there to just take people there to log in. But all my subscribers already have the the, uh, current uh, podcast site. But if you want to go directly to the podcast, it's uh, criticalpoint.podbean.com. Gotcha. And, uh, and they can email me, uh, questions, comments, uh, at rich at ag uh, com. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, very pleased to how I've done so far this year in the stock market and the commodities. We've made money, uh, making money now, you know, I'm still short corn and soybeans. And, yeah, there'll be ripples. Uh, I may be wrong here. I'll maybe off the USD report for a few days. But I got a feeling these grain prices are going to work lower into harvest, and then we'll uh, – We'll reevaluate and see where we go for the next phase. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, it's going uh, to be it's going to be it's going to be fun run. Also, check out Rich on on Twitter, and it's Rich underscore Possum, right? Is that what your handle is on Twitter? Yes. Okay. So yeah, check him out there. A lot of good information he puts out there. So man, Rich, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, and uh, looking forward to the next month. Yes, thank you very much. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com, and you'll find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as all the blogs I've written. They'll be there posted as well. Um, Moving Iron Summit's coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. That's September 15th to 17th. Um, probably uh, winding down there. So if you're interested in doing that, go out there and fill out the uh, – Registration form, and uh, I'll get back to you with uh, all the information that you're looking for. But On that website, you'll find meeting registration, hotel information, agendas, speakers, um, all the stuff that's going on, sponsors, those kind of things, as well as um, just basic information about Moving Iron LLC as as a whole. So if you're interested in that can't find the information that you're looking for, hit me up at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com, and I'll make sure to get back to you. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Rich Posson. Let's go with smart, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com.
1: Moving higher in the 21st century.
0: Hardworking people working hard for Time and time again
1: Through the years you'll find us here Moving higher